it well to center field. Deion Sanders going back to the wall, and it is gone. Bo Jackson over. podcast came out fantastic dan was great jesse was great i of course as always was great when i got home to edit the podcast audacity had deleted the whole thing so this week we got together we recorded another killer podcast the sound's going to be a little muffled it's going to be a little bit off because i don't know why for some reason it just is but it won't be going forward so rest assured on that hopefully you guys like the content we're going to kick things off right here after asking Dan what he thinks of the 2020 NFL Combine. Oh, yeah, the more time I think about it, I mean, it just gets better and better. The Combine's a joke, though, and it needs to just remodel its whole self entirely. Half of the players, you know, didn't even participate in a lot of these drills. We didn't get to see a lot of the big-name guys really go at it. The time change just really crippled what we wanted to see as people who kind of enjoy seeing these players in shorts and shirts, you know. They changed all the times. People were running three cones and shuttle drills at 11 p.m. It, it was just a fucking joke. And, and But of course, they made a ton of money off of it, so they'll probably do it again. But now all it does is place so much onus for these pro day times. So, I don't know, the combine's so lackluster. And just another big corporate joke. Is this going to be the biggest year for pro days that, that you can remember in recent memory because of the impact of the draft having these changes? Oh, 100%. So honestly, most pro days you would take with like a grain of salt because, you know, they're in a comfortable setting. You know, most of these times, their, their times are, are, are a little kind of padded. You know, they're not the exact laser combine times. And so you expect to be in a little off, but this time it's the only numbers you got. So there's nothing else you can do have a, a, a variance to measure it by so you've got the film and you got his protein time so it, it benefits the players right i think i've never really given a lot of thought to the pro day other than to see if guys did better than they did at the combine like a guy runs a 4-6 at the combine i'm like oh i wonder if he'll run like a 4-4 in his pro day or uh somebody like who doesn't get invited to the combine maybe like a lavernius coles at florida state trying wanting to see his pro day because he didn't get a chance to participate in the combine yeah, for sure. There's still those guys. Like, there's a player from Jacksonville State who just came out and had a terrific pro day. Would have measured in the top five metrics uh, in everybody at the combine, but obviously didn't get an invite. So there's still huge days for those type of players. What it puts more emphasis on is the Chase Youngs, the Javon Kinlaws, who didn't run any agility drills yet. Both of these guys 
consensus top ten players. You know what I mean? But we have no information on them, so it's it's pretty difficult to evaluate. And now it puts so much more onto those photos. Do you need to see anything from those two guys that you mentioned? I mean, if you didn't see a pro day or a combine clip at all, are you still taking them in the top five to ten? Chase Young, yes. Chase Young, I, I've seen crazy things going around. So Chase Young tested pretty poorly, actually, coming out of high school. He wasn't really like a top athlete. He didn't test in the 90th percentile in the spark athleticism or whatever it may be. He tested in, I think it was the 70s to 80s range. And so a lot of people kind of try to point to, oh, well, a player's not just going to become a great athlete. It's, well, I don't agree with that take whatsoever. I think the guy's a freak of nature. You can see his stuff on film. But, like, Derek Brown is a great reference point. I'll, I'll give the guy was a consensus top three player. I mean, he's still a top ten player on my board. But he came out and really disappointed in agility drills. He had, like, an above eight three cone and things like that. Things that just really hurt. And, you know, if a guy like Javon Kinlaw comes out and does the same thing, it's going to set him back, too. So, yeah, you want to see those things. But, obviously, you're going to go by tape for the most part. All right, so I guess kind of covers the combine going into some of the players. We'll come back to that a little bit because we are going to talk a little bit more about the draft. But other NFL talk, obviously the big story the last couple days, get your take on it. Dak Prescott turns down $100 million guaranteed, 33 annual value. It's a lot of money. Does he deserve it? Did he earn it? God, I don't think. I don't know what Dak is smoking, but bruh, holler at me. I want some. You're a maniac. To turn down what's reported right now is 33 AAV with 105 mil plus guarantee. I honestly, I don't, I don't understand. I don't. I, I'm struggling to come up with an argument because I really don't see his side. I don't understand what he's saying. I understand he's 26 and he feels underpaid because I think he's only accumulated what is like 4.4 million in his time since he's been in the league, which is easily the most underpaid player that could be right now. But to think he deserves, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes money or something like that, I don't know where he's going. And this was my thought of it. Like, why would somebody turn that down, especially a guy who's like a third-round pick? And like you said, $4 million. Fourth round. Fourth round. Okay, so as much as he made. But then I thought about it, is it less about the money and it's more about the fact that he doesn't want to be in Dallas anymore? There are rubbles that he's just over it and he wanted a contract before Zeke and now feels kind of disrespected. I don't know. I, I would want to play in Dallas personally. I don't want the... Jerry Jones, GM, owner, totalian government shit going on there, personally. But I'm not a quarterback, you know. Can he get 33 or 40 on the open market? I don't think so. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I agree with you, Dan. I don't think he's getting that type of money anywhere else. So, I think that, to me, this looks like him and, and Dallas kind of jostling for who's going to end up with more chips on their side of the table. And I think that if he's going to end up getting a larger deal, honestly, it makes Jerry Jones look stupider than it makes Dak look now because he does look very stupid for walking away from this deal. I don't think he deserves to be paid like the you know the next highest paid player in the league. I understand Dallas is a crappy place to play because of Jerry Jones and his oversight of the entire organization. I still think Jerry Jones is the best drafting general manager in all of the NFL. But I think that he just puts his nose into places where it shouldn't be. And if Tom Brady can get two and sixty, I don't think it's that far fetched to think Dak could get three and one hundred five from somebody. Resumes, Wayne. At this stage in his career. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what you're you're paying somebody is not for what they did, but what for what they may do for you. But I don't think that Dak has the ability to uh, bring you anything more than what Brady does. And I think those two for thirty deals, those are all talk at this point. We'll, we'll see. Also, with the two for thirties, I've got to assume they're going to be a very like cut favorable deal whereas 
Dak Prescott contract will not be. Uh, I'm just assuming. I do think he can get what he's being offered right now on the open market, to be fair. I think he will get 30-plus from somebody. But he's not going to get 40 from any. I just don't see him getting 40 from anybody. And that's where I think this, this process is the issue. Like, if he won't accept what the offer from Dallas, then why would he, I, I guess, like what you said, he may just want out of Dallas if you accept an offer somewhere else. And I think that what they offered him, like I said, the $30 million annual value, I think if that's what Tom Brady's going to get, $35 million, at this stage where you're going to get Brady for two years, the two worst years of what will be his career, then I definitely see there's got to be several teams that if they miss out on Brady, taking a long look at Dak Prescott and saying, well, we were going to spend 30 on Brady, we'll give 30 to Dak, it's a wash, we maybe have to give him one extra year. Yeah, it, it, I think they may look at it and say it could definitely be worse. But I, I could also see the uh, Dak Prescott side of it where he feels disrespected. You know, they like Dan said, they've already paid Z. Sounds like they're on the verge of paying Amari. Things are, are getting real tight there, and um, if this is the deal he's pushing away, it could just be that he doesn't want to be, in, you know, in uh, the Big D. Yeah, that could be it. Again, I don't think that's it, but it could be. You never know. It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. I mean, the quarterback carousel coming up, I don't want to give away too much, but I predicted some craziness. Yeah, who can blame D- Dak Prescott for not wanting to play in Dallas? I mean, the best offensive line in football, one of the best running backs in football, and a great young defense. I wouldn't want to play in a team like that. Well, that's why I don't really kind of buy the hype of him not wanting to play. He's literally in the ideal situation where he's built to succeed. Like, a team would have to mold their team around Dallas for him to succeed, so why not just stay in Dallas and succeed? So. Uh, the, the other quarterback that I think we're talking about contract-wise, this one's obviously a much smaller scale, but again, a quarterback who maybe overvalues himself in terms of what he said in the press is Taysom Hill gets offered a first-round tender, so if any team wants to sign him, they have to give him a first-round pick to New Orleans. Personally, I don't think any team at 28, 29 years old is giving up a first-round pick for him. I don't think they should. I mean, he's very, very limited sample size of what we've seen from Hill. I mean, the quarterback I remember doing well in Drew Brees' absence is Teddy Bridgewater, and that guy does deserve to get paid. Putting uh, that first on tender is smart on, on them, but I don't think Hill's going to get paid anywhere else. Um, other teams would be silly to, to put that pick on the line. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Jesse here. I, I agree that the Saints have to put the first round tender on it because some teams might think about a second, but the first round or no team can drop a, a first round pick on the back. We've really never seen throw 100 footballs, you know what I mean? So. If he was 24, 25 years old, 26, but he's 29. So basically he's heading he's into... 30. He's 30, 30. There you go. So, I mean, I think that you know, giving up a first-round pick for a 30-year-old, I mean, you're drafting Chris Winkie. Jeez. <laughs> Brandon Whedon. Right there. The Chargers give four years to Austin Eckler, and I'm curious what that means for Melvin Gordon and Hunter Henry. I'm thinking Gordon's out and Henry's franchise. Yeah, I mean, Melvin Gordon was already a little discontent there in, in the last couple of years. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see him, you know, go sign somewhere else. And uh, I think that there's a couple of us, you know, Wayne and I, and then some other Patriot fans around here. I know, Dan, you're not a Patriot fan. We'll give you a chance to shout out your team. But, uh, you know, for us Patriot fans here, we're, we're looking at the tight end position as a position that certainly needs to be filled. So I'd hate to see Hunter Henry get tagged. But I think, again, it'd be the smart thing for that franchise to do. Yeah, I definitely think they're going to tag him. That Hunter Henry, that is, and I think it makes great sense. Uh, Austin Eckler, you know, I love the signing. I think he's a great player. The Melvin Gordon, they already had issues with the team, so it, you know, it was easier for them to, I think, move on, take the break. Now they've got their running back. Speaking of teams that we root for, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I would not mind my team signing Melvin Gordon. I really would like his fit in Bruce Arians' offense, if I'm being honest. So I would really like that if I'm, if I'm just speaking my mind here, boys. I like it when you do that. 
The Redskins give permission to Trent Williams to seek a trade. What do you think teams offer him in terms, or offer the Redskins uh, for basically an all-pro left tackle? An all-pro left tackle with medical concerns, and that has to be added in. I couldn't move a first for the guy. I, I personally, if I was a GM, I couldn't move a first round pick for Trent Williams. But if I'm the Jets, you can have my second rounder tomorrow if you give me Trent Williams. So, or like the Browns, same thing. Take them. I hear Jason Peters may be on the market as well. And I, I, you know, those are obviously the two teams that are rumored with both players just because they have such a massive need to tackle. But I think a second round pick would be fair enough for, for uh, Trent Williams. You know, he's still only 31, so you could probably get four to five solid years out of him. Tackles can go for a long time. Williams did recently put out that little highlight video, I guess you can call it, of him uh, showing some agility. Uh, he, you know, he's trying to show teams that you know he he's not just been sitting on the couch. You know, he he looks good, he's moving good, and the limited sample size of the video we saw. And I think we we'd all be pretty remiss if we didn't mention that the Skins is probably the team of half the actual active FBAS members. Unfortunately, they seem to root for that sorry franchise. But uh, I know that they're uh, getting excited about the potential for Chase Young. Hopefully they can get a nice uh, reward for Trent Williams. I could definitely see teams giving up a second, easily a third for a guy like that, as long as they take a long, hard look at that medical sheet. What about, uh, would you be okay with a first, Jesse? I guess I, you know, it would depend on the team. I mean, if we're talking you know, specific Patriots, would I be okay giving up 23, um, knowing that they don't have a second-round pick? No, I, I wouldn't. But other teams that have depth in the draft as far as second, third, fourth-round picks, I could certainly see a team giving up, you know, a, a later first for a guy like that who has proven to be a very talented guy when he is healthy. You're the Miami Dolphins at 26. Do you give up your pick for Trent Williams? I don't like him that much. Not just because I'm playing it like, oh, I'm the Dolphins, what would they do? I just, me personally as a GM, I don't like Trent Williams enough to give up a first for him, regardless of what team I'm the GM for. I do think Flores would be smart to do that, though. I mean, you know, that would immediately bring in some veteran leadership, a guy that's yearning, you know, to prove himself in a, in a new spot. Who doesn't want to go play down to Miami? I could see that. I could see them giving up that pick. And, you know, honestly, how many picks do the Dolphins have? You know, isn't it two or three in the first? Yeah, you got three in the first and then two in next year's first. They're pretty, they're pretty stacked. They've got a lot of picks to use. That's why I think specifically that team, I think it makes sense for a first. I'm, I'm in the same thought process as Wayne is. I don't agree with giving up a first for the player personally, but Miami does make a lot of sense. Like you mentioned, that veteran leadership would be big for them. Yeah, that's good ammo. And again, Brian Flores being a, a younger coach coming from the, you know, the New England system, I think he would love to have a veteran guy in there as he's trying to retool that team from the ground up, really. Another Williams and an Alabama guy for Jesse, Quentin Williams, arrested trying to bring a Glock onto uh, an airplane in LaGuardia. That boy's packing heat. <laughs> so as a... Very proud toting American. Apparently, Quentin Williams just wasn't aware of the laws. He had his ammo too close and in the same package, I guess, or in the same baggage. And that apparently is considered a loaded weapon in the state of New York. So it's really tough for me to kind of bash the guy here because I, you know, I personally fly with my weapon. And, you know, you're allowed to do it and things like that if you do it the proper channels. I guess he just didn't do it the proper way. I don't know what kind of penalty he's going to get, but... I sure hope it's nothing crazy. Yeah, I mean, laws like that are definitely hard to find when you're going from state to state, so I could see how he'd have a real hard time not tripping over himself, bringing a gun into an airport, and uh, 
you know, not having it, you know, situated uh, in the correct way. Obviously, as an Alabama fan, I'm super excited about his impact. Wish he wasn't on the New York Jets. Hopefully, this doesn't impact his. Hopefully, this doesn't impact his uh, future time with uh, the Jets or in the NFL as a whole. But we'll see. You know, this isn't marijuana, so we know the NFL doesn't take it too serious. Plexico Burris uh, found out about the New York laws when he shot himself, then had to go to prison for it. You can't do that, Wayne. You can't shoot down on your foot. No, nope. against the law. You're, it's it's usually against the law to shoot yourself. Assault. <laughs> Obviously, the big talk is about the announcers and what they're going to get paid. Tony Romo gets 16 per, and there's talk that Peyton Manning's going to get 20 million per. I personally don't have a problem with it. I know a lot of the guys are like, well, you know, the announcers shouldn't be making more than the players. It's two different jobs. It's like saying, oh, well, if you work at TD Bank, you shouldn't make more than a McDonald's employee. It's two different companies. I love Tony Romo. Uh, he's a he's a he's a fun listen. It's absurd that that guy's making more as an announcer than he was as a player. But hey, you know the dude's earned it. You know he's entertaining and people love to listen to him waffle. I, I agree with Wayne. You know I hate to do so, but I agree with him. You know the um, amount of money that announcers get shouldn't impact or be correlated to the amount that the players get. They have an NFLPA for a reason, and those guys will fight for more money. He, he's a good announcer. Um, you know we'll see. Um, I saw the potential for a media trade. And uh, that was the potential for Al Michaels going to uh, the ABC slash ESPN family. Who would he be paired with, Wayne? Peyton Manning? It, w- it would be Peyton Manning, the forehead himself. I was telling Jesse, I, said, I think that Peyton Manning is one of the most cerebral and intelligent players in NFL history. I, I'm sure he could bring great insight into the game, but listening to him, to me, is painful. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate the, the commercials um, that he does for insurance now. I think his Saturday Night Live stuff was, was cute. Um, it was nice to having some scripted stuff to, to really broaden uh, his scope. But I, I don't really think he'd be super successful in the booth. I don't really want to see a Manning on my television anymore, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Tony Romo, I mean, power to him. You know, congratulations, man. I, I think he's an entertaining listen. My girlfriend actually enjoys watching because she's like, oh, it's like knowing what's going to happen. You know, so for the casual listener, he's probably better. So good for him. The money issue... Make your money however you want to make your money. It doesn't make any sense that they should be related. And then Peyton Manning, to be getting that money, if I was a broadcaster, I think I'd be a little bad. Because for him to just be getting that money and all this stuff when he's never been on camera really and done this is kind of odd, I think. But again, I, I agree with you guys. I think I'm to the point now where he's acting like too hard, and I don't like him. So the first ESPN commercials were funny, but beyond that, keep your big head in that giant helmet and throw the football the news that got me the most excited this past week was today I saw that the NFL signed a license agreement with 2K Sports. And I think anybody who's ever played football video games knows that NFL 2K5 is probably better than Madden 20. It's just, I was so excited to see that we might have an NFL 2K21, only to find out that this is a, they can't do any simulation style football games. So they can do NFL Blitz, but they can't compete with Madden. Yeah, it's pretty much like, dangling a piece of meat in front of you that you can't eat or like telling somebody oh here's some chicken and then you feed them tofu like it kind of pissed me off if i'm being honest with you like why like the fact that they can't have simulation then why even sign the license to be got just blows my mind who cares well i only wonder if it's a multi-year deal and so when espn comes to the end of their run 2k is already in there so i don't know i just i know personally i liked the 2k series tenfold over the ea series yeah i remember playing you know both back in the day you know they certainly had their differences i 
I'm going to be honest, I haven't played, you know, a ESPN, um, you know, game or a Madden game in quite some time. But, I mean, Madden obviously has its foot in the door, um, its, its impact um, on the market. So if I were to buy a game tomorrow, I'm not going to be looking at any 2K game. It's just been too long for me to really remember the, what did you say, 2095? 2K5. 2K5, yeah. It's been some time. It had T.O. on the cover in an Eagles uniform. Oh, yeah. And not just that, if it's it also if I'm going out and buying a game tomorrow and it's NFL Blitz like, I'm just gonna go get NFL Blitz. Like I, I But like you said, maybe they got their foot in the door for when ESPN's contract runs out, who knows? Maybe they're uh, smarter than we all are. They make millions and we don't, so it's like Belichick, you know, better to be early than late. That's a true statement. So, getting into the draft, I know we talked a lot about the the Combine last episode. Looking over the draft, I wanted to look at some of the mock drafts that came out post-Combine, and NFL.com had one, Todd McShay had one. Pretty much everybody has Burrow going number one, but the thing that surprised me was NFL.com has Tua going number two to the Skins, and I thought that would be mind-blowing, considering they just took Haskins in the first round last year. Uh, I, so, first and foremost, I do not think it would be mind-blowing, and I think there's a real chance it happens. I am in the camp that until you have a franchise cornerstone quarterback, you keep looking for one. So I don't care if you drafted one yesterday. If a better one comes on the market, you take it. That sounds like the Browns' plan. Uh, kind of. Except the Browns' plan, just they took a lot of terrible guys. Tua is head and shoulders the prospect Dwayne Haskins was. And it's still, because Dwayne Haskins really didn't show us much in his time in Washington. Also, this this organization is not really tied to Dwayne Haskins outside of ownership. You know, like the GM's gone, or no longer in control, the head coach is new. I think there's a real shot it happens, but I do think Ron Rivera, the defensive lining coach, is just going to fall in love with Chase Young. He's, he's really a Julius Peppers clone. You know, Ron Rivera drafted Julius Peppers, you know, way back when, so... I do think there's smoke to the fire, but when it's all said done, I don't think it happens. Well, that's a huge comp, Julius Peppers. I'm going to ask you, put a percentage on it, you know, 0 to 100. You know, what's the percentage that two of that actually goes to, whether it's to the Skins or not? Well, if it's not to the Skins, the Skins are a terrible franchise and they're a joke, which, I mean, we already know they are. But Because if they trade out and aren't able to get Chase Young out of this draft, then it's a total fail of draft. So I think it's either Chase Young or Tua. You don't move down. The percentage, I'll go with 33. Pretty small percentage. I like 33. I don't think it's an overwhelming chance, but I do think there's like somebody's that's going to be in his ear that says, hey, two is better, two is better, two is better. And if he's not, then we let Dwayne Haskins play out. If Dwayne Haskins throws out a Carson Wentz season, well, then we have two as a bargaining chip and things like that. I just, I, you know, there's some analytic guy who's going to be barking in there here, but I don't think it gets it done. Figured uh, coming out of college, a guy throws for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, and you give up on him after basically seven or eight games. Well, Ryan Lee played great in college, so did a lot of other players who didn't do well. I, I understand it's the Big Ten, it's different. Dwayne Haskins was a decent prospect, but again, Tua is head and shoulder. I mean, they're not even on the same level in any kind of way. Prospect. I think people forget pre injury, Tua was considered the class of the class of quarterbacks. I know you're not a big fan, Wade. I don't personally see what you don't see in him, but I think he's very special, and I think people are forgetting that. And so I think, too, at this point, it's a little underrated. Prior, prior to uh, to his injury, there was the, uh, well, I mean, he was injured prior to the game, but the Alabama-LSU game, if two is healthy and Alabama wins that game, are we still looking at, you know, Joe Burrow won? Probably. I think... 
because even if Joe Burrow loses that game, what he did for the whole season was kind of special, and it's still the greatest kind of season we've ever seen. It's it's really tough to evaluate the season as a whole and kind of come away with anything bad, and and that's really tough to do as a college football player. But again, that's no knock on Tua. Like Tua is if any other draft, Tua is the number one prospect in the draft. So. If Tua does go to, I think it's funny, on the NFL.com post-combine mock draft they did, that obviously throws a lot of things into the mixer. And what they end up having is the Dolphins trading up with the Giants, only one spot, but just to avoid losing another quarterback and taking Herbert at four. Well, there's rumblings that Miami really, really, really likes Justin Herbert. And they have Tua and Herbert kind of on the same level. That's why I, I, I hear if a team does move up to number for three, or I can, I say what I'm reading and finding out, is that Los Angeles is the more likely team because Miami grades them out rather similarly. So it wouldn't shock me if Miami, after two of those, makes the move to secure Herbert. I also don't know if Miami's going to panic this year and try to get a corner. They, they seem pretty set on building a team the right way. I think Brian Flores learned from a very, very, very good coach on how to build a franchise correctly, and I don't think they're going to panic into taking somebody they don't love. And if they don't really love the player there, then they'll build with those three picks and work with their two picks next year to get either Fields, Trevor Lawrence, or Brock Barry or Penny or whatever it is. Certainly a fun class of quarterbacks uh, coming out next year, so uh, I could see Miami doing that. I like Fields a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Lawrence, you know, even for a guy that, you know, beat my Alabama team a couple times. You know, the guy's super talented. Plus, he's got that long, flowing hair. It just looks beautiful. Outside of Burrow, crazy, crazy. Like to, to have those two prospects in this class, I think it'd be incredibly hard to win. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is still one, but I think Fields and Burrow would fight for that number two spot, and then two would round it out. And then I think uh, NFL.com and Todd McShay, and I believe you last week had Jordan Love six to the Chargers. Yes, sir. I have actually had that. I'm a two mile horn again here. January 29th, I have Jordan Love being taken by the San Diego or by the Los Angeles Chargers. I really, really, really like Jordan Love. Uh, I think he is going to be a very good player. I do think he's a project who has to end up in the right system, but I do think Los Angeles may be that spot. And uh, I just think he's going to go before Justin Herbert also. Looking over, too, the thing that actually surprised me when I'm going down the the draft, the thing that surprised me, not as much as so you had C.D. Lamb going ahead of Jerry Judy, I believe, in both of them. And I know that those two are kind of, I guess you take one, six of one, half dozen of the other. But the one that really surprised me was everyone having Henry Ruggs going ahead of T. Higgins. Why didn't T. Higgins is a much better receiver? T. Higgins was in that group that didn't do anything at the combo. He showed up and didn't do a thing. He didn't run. He didn't lift. He didn't do anything. So... Henry Rudd showed up and ran a 4-2-7. He's going to go ahead of T. Higgins right now. Uh, that's why I, I like to reiterate my point. T. Higgins' pro day is going to be massive. T. Higgins might have slipped behind Justin Jefferson at this point. He might have slipped behind Denzel Mims at this point. Uh, there's a lot of teams who think T. Higgins didn't test because his numbers were going to be atrocious. I don't really disagree with Henry Ruggs. I think Henry Ruggs is a top 15 player in this draft. So I have him actually pretty far ahead of Judy. Do you have him going above Judy? Oh, no way. I do not. I do not. I have him I have them all going before 15. I have Henry Ruggs going at 15 to Denver. I have Arizona taking CeeDee Lamb. And I have Las Vegas taking Jerry Judy. Another Alabama receiver for those Raiders. 
going to be a consistent theme in my drafts. They will draft Alabama and Clemson and Louisiana State. They will draft winning program teams in all of my mocks until Mike Mayock proves otherwise. Yeah, he spent a lot of time looking at players, looking at colleges, and figuring out schemes. Getting winners into that, I believe. He wants winners into that core culture in, in Las Vegas, I think. The one I was most interested in, obviously, was pick 23, which NFL.com had was Xavier McKinney from Alabama going to the Patriots at safety. And I'm like Belichick in the sense that I think that once I like a guy, I'm all in 100% on that guy, and you can't sway me any other way. And I think I mentioned last episode that got deleted, but I am all in on Grant Delpete, and I would rather have him than McKinney. Um, I'm a big Grant Delpit fan. Uh, I had him initially going into the season, but I had him as top five player in this draft. Uh, he did fall. He had a pretty, pretty, pretty terrible 2019 campaign but the overall talent's there and honestly what he does is really hard to find if you guys do end up losing Devin McCourty which you guys can shed a better light on that situation for me I don't I, I don't know if he's going to come back or if he's already committed to come back but um, I know there's a chance you guys may lose him and if so Grant Elbert makes a ton of sense Xavier McKinney's more of a Swiss Army he can do a lot of things Grant Elbert what he does well is stay in the back and diagnose plays extremely well and attack 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 and I really like that for New England, especially, again, like I said, if they lose Devin McCourty. Uh, so, I mean, I, I guess to touch on our perspective on the McCourty twins, I haven't seen anything um, as far as a commitment yet. I mean, I think, at least from Devin McCourty's perspective, uh, you know, that guy's going to be a Patriot Hall of Famer and potentially a, an NFL Hall of Famer. But, I mean, if he ends up calling it a career, I think, you know, he certainly deserves to walk away with the amazing career he's had. I would love to have Delpit, actually, uh, of the two SEC schools' safeties. And that's because the idea of these Swiss Army Knife players kind of worry me. You know, I've got two examples in my mind right now I've got more recently Jabril Peppers and I'm still kind of wondering if he's you know got a, a solid role after a couple of years when he was taken as like this versatile guy who could play on both sides and he can move around the defense I just think I think it's better to come into the league with a solid position and then going you know more closer to home with the position with a player that the Patriots signed and that's Adelius Thomas you know that guy was said to, you know to be a super versatile guy on the defensive side and that's why Belichick signed him to a deal and the guy just didn't end up panning out and being, you know, what we thought he was going to be or what he showed he was with Baltimore. So the Swiss Army players sound real nice. You know, oh, we can move around all over the field. Um, but in reality, I think it's nice to just excel at, you know, a certain position. And so that's why I think, you know, Delpit, even though he had a down year, LSU has a great, great history um, of pro- providing safeties into the NFL. Patrick Peterson, Morris Claiborne, just to name a few, Tyran Matthew. So, I mean, they, they're always pumping great defensive backs into the league. Laurent Landry. You keep going. Yeah, you can keep um, going the list, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more, obviously. I, I, I personally have dealt with ahead of my, and I agree with what you say about Swiss Army Knife players. Yes, it's nice if you're Isaiah Simmons and you can do a lot of things, but if you're Xavier McKinney and you are that insanely incredible athlete Isaiah Simmons is, and you only do a, a lot of things really well, but you don't do anything great, I'd rather have a guy that does something really, really great. And I think that's what New England would give a Delta. Now, I have been personally taking Justin Herbert to my block. How would you guys feel about that? I just feel when you take a quarterback in the first round, you're committing to that guy. And I still want to see what um, Stidham can do. I, I want to see what he can do because in the short preseason outings that he has, and I know it's preseason, I know he's going up against third stringers, I like what I saw, and I think he's a good fit for the Patriots system. And I feel like if you could draft a guy like Herbert in the first round, you're completely abandoning Stidham. So I would rather see you bring in somebody to challenge Stidham for that starting role, but not somebody who's going to be guaranteed that role over him. 
Dan, remind me, what calls should uh, Herbert go to? Four. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, so uh, you didn't say Tom Brady was going to you know the Patriots or being drafted to the Patriots. So I'm out on um, drafting a quarterback in the first round. I would rather they draft 40-something-year-old Tom Brady in the first round at this point than a quarterback. I do agree with Wayne that it does mean there's a commitment there, that whether it's starting the season or halfway in the season, that we already have enough quarterback controversy and conversation that I don't need that in my life. Personally, I don't love it. I think there's other positions of need, and it's really because I have my heart set on Thomas coming back. I mean, you guys know personally how I feel about Justin Herbert from the deleted podcast, but yeah, I don't think he's a good football player at all, so... So you just mocked him to us as a joke, God Dan? <laughs> no, I just... Because the guy's got to go in the first round just because I don't like him. He's not going to go. I just don't think he has the head of a football player. He's got the arm and the body and things like that. I just don't think he has it between the ears. Wow, one man's trash is still another man's trash, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Going into round two, I think some of the names that we talked about in the last podcast that got deleted, obviously Denzel Mims, they have going to the Bengals' first pick of the second round, and then the Cardinals following up with uh, Justin Jefferson, followed by the Ravens taking uh, Claypool at the end of the round. So three receivers that we talked about as having really good pro days, you know, going in the second round. Uh, if I can just jump in real quick, Mims to the Bengals um, would be phenomenal, especially if they go through with tagging A.J. Green, which it sounds like they will. Um, I don't know if that did actually come from Joe Burrow's request and say, hey, man, you know, I, I really would love to have A.J. Green there. But considering, you know, having an, an A.J. Green on one side and Mims on that team for Burrow, that'd be a great coming out party for him. So I, I think that initially just sounds awesome. But, Dan, I'll let you take the rest of those uh, receivers. No, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, either one, honestly, like getting Denzel Mims or, honestly, if Justin Jefferson falls to the top, it's really going to be hard to not bear him back up with Joe Burrow. Like, I mean, think of what those two could do together again in that offense. Denzel Mims just is insanely special, in my opinion. His numbers were in just crazy. 438, 6'6", 6'6", 3-cone. Any sub-7, 3-cone is special, but a 6'6", 3-cone is just, I mean, that's crazy, crazy numbers. Uh, 38 for uh, the guy's a really special talent. Chase Claypool too is 238 and just moves like he's 200 pounds. I would really, really love to see Chase Claypool in that Baltimore Ravens offense. I think the hybrid tight end kind of wide receiver thing that they could use with him, I think would be scary, scary good. And Justin Jefferson just did everything he was supposed to do with combine. People questioned his breakaway speed, 443. So that was really good to see out of him. He's, he's essentially a, a Cooper Cup. He's going to be Cooper Cup in the NFL. He's going to find those holes. He's going to settle. And he's going to get yards after the catch. Uh, I really like Justin Jefferson. This wide receiver class is insanely talented this year. Uh, an amazing year for receiver. And I just know that whatever one the Patriots take is going to suck. It's going to be awful. If they take the one that you might have a personal interest in, Dan, is the second-round mock draft from NFL.com. They have the Buccaneers taking A.J. Apenisa, who had one of the worst combines. Oh, really? I love that. Pick. Yeah, you, you remember. You remember? He's a tight end, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jesse Apenisa. I think that's why this podcast got deleted. How did I think about it? I put in some extra work there. I can't let people hear that. Honestly, I love that pick. I don't think he falls that far. Again, he was mentioned in in Fallers as a part of our last podcast, but I argued against that. I don't think he, yes, he didn't have great numbers, expected him to have great agility numbers, I don't think. So it's all about your expectations and rises and falling. I do think some teams are going to completely take him off the board for having an over 540, 
but what he does well is win with his hands and his strength and his technique. And, and if you put him on our defensive line as a as a uh, five tech, I would absolutely love that. I don't think it happens, however. We seem pretty keen on Jacob Eason. Uh, there's a it's not a secret at this point in the Bucks circles that Bruce Arians really likes Jacob Eason. So I'm not sure if we somehow move up or stay where we are and get him, but at this point, I think that's going to be our second rounder. But man, I would love to have the at our spot there too. Quarterback Carousel, this is a segment that we did last episode, and we did it with what information we had. We've had a week of additional information, so I wonder if that's changed any of our picks. I know I changed some of mine, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with everybody else. I know, obviously, we started on the AFC. We started with the East. We knew Josh Allen's Josh Allen. They're not going to do anything with Buffalo unless it's a backup. So my first big move starts with the Dolphins, and I feel like they are going to miss out on Tua because I do think he's going to go possibly in the top three or four, somebody will trade up ahead of them to get him because they know how much uh, the Dolphins like him. And so I have the Dolphins trading the fifth pick to the Dallas Cowboys for Dak Prescott and giving him $100 million. Bam! Coming in here dropping bombs right off Ripley? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love it, dude. Man, I thought I was going to shock the world, and that was one of the best things I've ever heard in a long time. I didn't even think of that, and honestly, it's brilliant. I think, it, like, I think it's brilliant. If Isaiah Simmons is on the board... I, man, I don't know. They're so loaded at linebacker. Jesse, you got to go. I got to think about this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't think I didn't think of that because you know, again, when we originally did this carousel, you know, I I pinned Dak there, and even after this most recent Dak news that we touched on, I still think he ends up playing. You know, for the Cowboys. I didn't even think of this. This never crept into my brain, and it's because Wayne hasn't hit me up with that plug yet. Um, he's got some good stuff, apparently. Um, that's that's an amazing deal that you really have to plug and play with on Madden. I had Tua being drafted by the Finns. I, I don't believe that he's going to get taken by the Skins. I think the Skins would be silly to pass on Chase Young, even though we didn't see anything from him at the Combine. The Finns, uh, I've got them taking Tua. I also have them signing Phillip Rivers, though. I think that he'd be that veteran presence there. I think he would actually you know, come much cheaper than Dak Prescott. And uh, like Dan had mentioned, I don't think that the Dolphins are any are in a position where they need to commit to a quarterback right now. There's the pool of guys that we've mentioned coming in next year. I just don't think that they need to commit to somebody. And I just, I definitely wouldn't commit to Dak Prescott with that type of money. So um, again, I've got them drafting Tua real early and signing Phillip Rivers to be that veteran leader there for about a year or two as a stopgap. Nice little band-aid there. Staying in the AFC East, I do have Brady staying with the Patriots. Did that stay the case for you fellows as well? I was curious who uh, Dan had for the Dolphins. Oh, yeah, he was still well, he was still uh, having his mind blown up. He's picking up his brain off the floor. All right, so I think I'm all right now. Looking over what's on board, I, I don't hate your idea. I don't see what Dallas gets at five that makes it worth it for them. At this point, Chase Young's gone in, in, in this scenario, I'm guessing. Chase Young gone. Jeff Okuda, I'm guessing, gone, maybe still there. And Isaiah Simmons. Jeff Okuda's there, I guess it makes sense. If Isaiah Simmons is there, there's no point. They're already loaded at linebacker, but man, that's a bomb. I love it. I have been keeping Ryan Fitz because I think he's a very good stopgap quarterback. No reason to go out there and sign Philip Rivers. And I have them drafting Tua. I think they do end up moving up to three and just securing Tua and getting him. I don't think it'll cost a lot. It'll cost maybe one of their second rounds or 39. I think it's a bit and it makes it good. Uh, I think Detroit will gladly welcome the trade because they can still get whoever they want. At three, they can get them at five. I think it just makes too much sense, and they end up with Fitz, too. 
Yeah, uh, you, you like Fitzmagic. Uh, you like Fitzmagic, don't you? He uh, he seemed to do well for the Bucks. I, I really do. I just think he's a good kind of just stopgap. Again, just to stopgap. If you you're obviously not banking your future on the guy, but if he's not your future and Tua is, then ride with Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year. Uh, pick up a couple of wins here and there, and uh, then bring to it around probably maybe game 13, 14, something like that. You know, no reason to go crazy. Yeah, and plus he went to Harvard. He did go to Harvard, man. These smart guys, they always make good money. He's basically Bobby Collins from uh, ESU, right? He's uh, not Joe Kane, but he can give you a split over the next four games. <laughs> <laughs> you can take splits, man. At this point, Miami would take splits in four games. <laughs> no, they would definitely take, or would they? They probably want to keep being trashy. Yeah, I guess you know. You never know. Uh, New England, I actually have them losing Tom Brady. Um, wow, that's something changed in the last week. Wow. Exactly, it changed. It changed. I won't tell you yet where he goes yet. I do have them losing out on Tom Brady. Uh, I think they go after Justin Herbert a little and uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who I, I mentioned his name before with New England on the last podcast. I think it's going to be somebody that Bill Belichick kind of keys on. I think he has the cerebral play, mind to play in uh, in Bill Belichick's system and offense. And so I think it could be a a less cost-efficient solution to uh, Tom Brady. I have Tom Brady staying. I had this discussion at work today. It's the only reason being basic. Well, two reasons. One, I think Kraft will do whatever it takes to keep him there. And two, I mentioned this in the deleted podcast, and I know it's sacrilege to New England fans, but... I don't think Tom Brady is smart enough to bring his offense somewhere, and I don't think he is young enough to try to learn from a new offensive coordinator. I mean, he's never liked you know training up young players at all. Um, I do think the reason I have him staying here is because we give him the best chance to get back to the playoffs and compete for a Super Bowl. Uh, Las Vegas doesn't do that. The LA Chargers don't do that. There's not a team out there that you know is going to sign Tom Brady and have assets around him and the assets on the sideline to propel him to a potential championship like New England does. So I think that's why I have him there. You know, touching on your, your Teddy Bridgewater comment, Dan, I don't think there's, you know, many quarterbacks who helped their case more in, in 2019 than Teddy Bridgewater. You know, when Drew Brees went down, I thought that that team was going to be in shambles, but he really helped the success of that team. And uh, I really hope that he gets paid if it's here. I honestly, you know, losing Brady, I don't want to think about it. I wouldn't be upset having Teddy Bridgewater, though. That, that's a that's a really nice option, a nice alternative. I can't agree with you more. I mean, you're kind of unsure about players in Sean Payton's system because, to be fair, he doesn't really produce too many bad quarterbacks when we go out onto the field. He usually has his guy in a really good spot to succeed. However, I, I do think Teddy Bridgewater really made himself some money, and I really think he's a good quarterback. He played really well in Minnesota before the unfortunate injury, too, so I, I like the guy a lot. And don't be so sure about there not being a better roster for Tom Brady. Because I've got them. Yuck. Don't Jets. <laughs> the, the Jets, uh, they just recently drafted uh, Darnold. And um, now that uh, he's all done having, what's the little disease he had from sharing water bottles and sharing smooches? Oh, uh, coronavirus? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not <versus. laughs> The corona. Real topical, Wayne. I'm going to go grab some Germex. <laughs> Yeah, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be the guy. Uh, I will say, though, that I did have a quarterback here, the next quarterback, that isn't black. And so you wouldn't think that I would put a quarterback in here. Lamar Jackson is safely with the Baltimore Ravens. But one of the changes I made is I have the Ravens signing Jameis Winston to be his backup. Honestly, I like that a lot. I, I think Jameis Winston's time in Tampa Bay is open. So I think we we all need to find a spot to slot Jameis Winston into somewhere. And 
I, I don't hate that role. I, I really don't. I think that's a solid role. I don't know if he fits that offense, but then again, I don't know if you want a guy who does necessarily fit the same offense. So I like that prediction a little bit. I think Jameis is definitely underrated. Uh, you know, he recently had his eyes upgraded, and the guy threw for over 5,000 yards already, Dan. You know, being a Bucks fan down there, you know, he surpassed 5,000, correct? And he's younger than 26? Uh, yeah, through his first three seasons, he led the NFL in – he's the NFL record leader for most yards in those first three seasons. He throws for a ton of yards, and he does a lot of things. I just think Bruce Arians is, is over it. His comments on Jameis in the past haven't been great and don't – provide a lot of confidence in the guy so you know where he says I can win with this quarterback or any other I don't know if that's such a great sign that's all I like the guy I think he can play the game in football I just don't think Bruce Arians wants him on his football team yeah, I mean, touching on, you know, Wayne's thoughts on the Ravens, I think that, you know, that would be um, a, a fun signing. Uh, you wonder, you know, if he would uh, get, you know, the potential playing time that we saw RG3 get this year being on the Ravens where, you know, they did have some packages that they, they threw him in to get him some shine and some yardage. So that was neat. I don't have any, any movement for the Ravens at all, really. I think that, you know, Lamar is one of the um, brightest up-and-coming quarterbacks, not receiver quarterbacks in the league so i have them staying put and then you know the Bengals. i think you know we're all pretty dead set on having you know the Bengals draft him at one and if they don't they should get sent to the xfl yeah joe burrow has to go to cincinnati it just has to happen i think baker stays in cleveland again they give him another chance because he does show promise but here's another one i gotta get i got another one where i didn't leave a blank spot but i filled it in is with the steelers i have the steelers signing ryan Tannehill. And I have him starting for them before week nine. They're going to give up on Big Ben, and I don't think they're sold on Helmet Head. Wow. I mean, for, I, have, I have some movement for the Steelers, but, you know, I, I project that same type of timeline for their change at quarterback. But I have them drafting their replacement, and, you know, that's the um, that trash quarterback from Oregon, Herbert. Uh, so uh, I have them drafting a quarterback and grooming this guy under Big Ben. You know, Big Ben's had a pretty successful career when you think of it, and got some rings. You know, he's a very hard guy to take down, but he's having a hard time staying on the field at this point. So I think having play out, you know, half the season, a full season, and then just let that next guy come in. But the Steelers, to me, are definitely all done with Mason Rudolph and the storylines that he seems to produce more often than wins. So I have them drafting Herbert. What do you have the Steelers doing? Anything at all, Dan? Yeah, actually, too. So since we talked about it last time, I gave a little more thought. And that's where I have James Winston. I think that's a very, very, very good spot for him. I think it gives them a little flexibility of if Big Ben performs then, oh, well, James doesn't play. If Big Ben doesn't perform, then we've got a player who can step in here and slate that tater. So I don't hate that pickup at all. I think it's a really solid one for them. Yeah, you know, both big physical guys that don't like to go down, um, so I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I do think that he would look redonkulous in, you know, those Steelers bumblebee uniforms, but I I wouldn't hate it at all. I I think we're all on the same page that this is like it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger's last year. Last half season. Yeah, I agree. Broncos, they've said, they've come out publicly, said they're running with Drew Locke, that he's their guy. And so I've kind of taken their word for that, but I think they can't just have him. they got to have somebody to push him. So I think that's going to be a perfect landing spot for Brissett or Dalton, and I'm leaning more towards Brissett in that one. I don't think Brissett leaves Indianapolis. I don't, I don't see why they would move on from him, honestly. And then again, I think Denver would have to invest too much capital to get him because it would have to be in a trade. And, I mean, Brissett's been in command at least a second. I mean, at the very least. Um, yeah, I do think they need somebody to push Drew Locke. 
I'm not exactly sure who they could get. I do like Andy Dalton. I think that's a solid idea. I obviously have them, you know, locking it in with Drew Locke. To steal a line from my friend Dan, I think, you know, they're going to assign a tater slinger in Jameis Winston. I think just keeping uh, keeping a nice stable of quarterbacks who aren't fantastic because you know, that's what John Elway likes to do is make sure that there's going to be no quarterback in his franchise that surpasses him. So I think having Drew Locke and then Jameis Winston, you've got two, you've got two guys there that uh, are going to push each other either to wins or out of the league. Obviously, we're all going to be Patrick Mahomes, not going anywhere. And then the Raiders are actually, I brought this up last episode that we lost, and so I'm going to bring it up again. I'm sticking with it. Is Obviously, I, think, I do think Chase Young is going to go number two to the Redskins, but I think that the Raiders missing out on Tom Brady, missing out on Phillip Rivers, missing out on an opportunity here, they make a godfather offer to the Lions, and they trade 1929 and a first in 2021 to draft Tua. Wow. You are full of them today, and I blame I love it, brother. You're, you're, I love it. You're my new best friend. That's a shocker, and honestly, it's something I can see. They love Alabama players. Jumper loves his quarterbacks. Tua really, really, really fits that system to a T. Man, that would really make a lot of sense. Honestly, I don't personally have it happening because, again, wow, that's that's a shocker. But I don't hate it at all. I have them keeping Derek Carr. I don't think they find a guy this year that they like better than Derek Carr. But I'm not going to lie, Wayne, that's a pretty tempting offer right there. Yeah, Wayne's dropping some spicy bombs today. I'm going to you know, drop some more boring in here and, and agree with you, Dan. I've got the Raiders sticking with Derek Carr this year and uh, looking towards their future you know, play caller next year in that bevy of choices. So, I've, yeah, again, I've got Carr staying there. He's going to drive the car for uh, at least another season. Yeah, I had them trading Carr. Again, it's kind of jumping around a little bit, but just to kind of get you right how I got to where I got, is I have them trading Carr, and I have the Titans, again, missing out on Brady, missing out on Rivers. The Titans giving up number 29 to get Derek Carr straight up, and then, like I said, that's how the Raiders got that 29th pick to trade for Tua. Yeah, and in that scenario, they still get to keep a first this year. Uh, they lose their first next year, but to still keep a first this year and possibly still get Jared Judy, too, or C.D. Lamb, which I doubt could happen at 20, but or 19. But man, that would be wow. That would be nuts. That would be a Las Vegas Raiders dream, I think. But man, that'd be a lot of fun to see. Yeah, Tua and Judy at the next level, you know, paired again would certainly be tantalizing, especially for me as an Alabama fan. But I think the those Vegas Raiders fans are going to need to latch on to something. So really latching on, you know, to Tua with all their might doesn't sound horrible, Wayne. I think that's, that's a fun potential, you know, pick for them. Chargers, and this will make more sense later on, but the Chargers I have taken Justin Herbert from Oregon. Yeah, I, I think we've all discussed how much we love him. I actually have them signing Mariota. It's a guy that Wayne did love. I've got them signing Mariota. I think that, you know, he's a guy that I think excels closer to uh, the West Coast, and uh, I think his time has certainly run out in Tennessee. So I think he could do well there, and they could um, also take Eason in, in the draft. I have him falling there, um, obviously, the after the first couple quarterbacks go. So this is where I thought I was going to shake things up with Bob, but Wayne already did it. I have Dak Prescott. I think that's a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I think they find a way because I don't think Dallas comes off their number here, and I don't think this situation ends well. And I think he ends up not in Dallas, and I think the Chargers are a very very good. Fit. 
I think that's a good fit. Do you think they are giving up six to get that to get Prescott, or are they giving up something less? I mean, they would have to probably give up six. Depend, like, you know, a lot's going to play out here in this tag. So in this scenario, I don't have them tagging Prescott, so they don't. They just let him hit the open market, which uh, you know sounds like it may not happen. But again, I don't know if they end up tagging him anyway. Because if they tag him, I don't think he shows up. I don't know how that situation plays out in this carousel right now. I have them finding another option and outright letting Dak Prescott walk away. And I think Dak to the Chargers could certainly, you know, be believable, especially with them relocating. That owner's going to want someone to be the face of their franchise. And, you know, you want to have an established play caller. So I think Dak could certainly be believable going to that team and being their new quarterback going forward. Now, the Colts, uh, I didn't change this from last week. Again, I'm sticking with Phillip Rivers signing with the Colts, which is why I think they can move on from Brissett because I think Rivers is going to take that starting role. And I know that Brissett, at his dollar figure, is still viable backup, but I think that they sign Rivers and move on from Brissett. Yeah, I think Brissett is underrated. I, I like him probably, you know, somewhat because he came, you know, from this New England system. But I still have him having a strong hold on that Indianapolis Colts quarterback position. So... I don't have them making any drastic changes. I do have them potentially drafting a guy like, say, Jake Fromm much later down, but that's not a guy that I think would um, really have any potential for being a long-term starter. I think Brissett is a guy that's going to hold the position down, um, and they'll continue to you know look for their franchise guy as they go, but I don't think Brissett's a guy you need to move on from right away. I have been different from what I did last time. Last time I had him beating Philip Rivers. This time I forgot. I think they stick with Jacoby Brissett. And then I think I think the, the love for love coming out of that camp is real. Um, apparently they really, really, really like Jordan Love. And I think that's going to be their first round pick. So I have them sticking with Jacoby Brissett and then running with uh, Jordan Love. The Jaguars I actually have taking Mariota. I have them moving on from Nick Foles. They're going to trade him because they said they want to stick with Minshew. I still think if you bring Mariota in, Minshew's still your guy unless he screws up, and then I think Mariota can fill the void as a starter. Yeah, the Jags always seem to be looking for a long-term fit there at quarterback. I'm a big fan of uh, Minshew mania. I think it'll be fun to see how he progresses into this being his second year in the league. So I have Minshew staying there. Um, I don't hate the idea of a guy like Mariota pushing him, you know, having two guys that are still looking to uh, really put a strong hold on, on that position. Smart, good for that franchise. I just don't have it happening. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I wouldn't hate Mariota. I, I know they want to come off their goals. I don't know anybody to take them, though, to be honest. Uh, they should just get in the porn game. Yeah, he really should. God, that's stash. With Minshew, too. They should do a double. Never mind. We're getting layoffs up. Um, <laughs> I have been sticking with Minshew and Foles, honestly. I don't see a change in Jacksonville. But that team's just a mess. So that team is so close to the cusp. And now think of how far they fall in just two years. Like, it's so crazy for me to think about that. Yeah, the uh, the player they just franchised really wants out of there, right? I'm not even going to attempt to butcher Yannick his name. Ngakwe. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe wants out. He's already said nothing about the side of the there's no way. Like, he wants out. I mean, A.J. Bowie, everybody's just pressing their way out of there. I just don't see that. That situation's just so weird. 
Titans. Uh, I already mentioned I got Derek Cargo in there. Yeah, I, I, I have them staying with uh, Tannehill. I think he finally found a home after, you know, the disaster that was the Dolphins with Adam Gase. So I think that Tannehill being there after a successful first-round playoff win, good playoff push here with, with Rabel, I think they commit to Tannehill at least going forward. I agree. I think he's earned his contract. Uh, yes, he played poorly in that playoff push, but or the playoff run, but the push up to that run was... I mean, that was really kind of special football we saw by him. So, I mean, he earned the contract. I think the team should, I mean, I hate to say the team should be loyal, but, I mean, they should pay their drive and see what they can build with that team. Heading over to the NFC, this is where we're going to see some of the fallout from some of my trades. So, as I mentioned, we've got Burrow goes number one. I've got Tua going three to the Raiders. The Dolphins traded for Prescott, right? So that's that's what was the deal. So, anyways, I had Dallas Cowboys from that DAC trade now have the number five pick, I think. And so Dallas looking to replace Dak Prescott with a less expensive Dak Prescott. I have Dallas taking Jordan Love at five. Do you love that, Dan? Wow. So this is gonna be tough because man, I Jordan Love, I really do love that Um But at five, I think he's a really kind of a stretch. But if they've got to make that move, they got to make that move. Like, because, you know, if they're, if they're getting rid of Dak, they've got to commit to a guy. And, and I'm always in the camp that if you love a guy, you take him when he's there. So I guess if I was five and I was Dallas and I had no quarterback, I'm at number five. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Jordan Love. So, like, with what's left on the board, I'm taking Jordan Love. So I don't hate that. Uh, I really don't hate that. I mean, they save a ton of money, too. Let's, let's remember that. So, and then they can sign Amari Cooper, build a team, and I think that's kind of the way to succeed in the NFL, is get these quarterbacks on their five-year first-round deals and win in their fourth-fifth-round deals with these tenders, and then uh, these contracts, and while your quarterback's still your cheap option. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're explaining the Rams situation. You know, they they loaded up while Jared Goff was on that rookie deal as soon as they paid him. Um, it's I haven't seen them in the playoffs. So it seems to be the successful model that works out. It's just can you build that team around, you know, that, that cheap quarterback. Uh, the Patriots got real lucky um, not having to dump money into Brady his uh, entire career. Speaking of Tom Brady... My man ends up in the Dallas Cowboys. Wow, that would That's be... a roster that is better suited to win a championship than New Orleans. I'd agree with that. I don't think that they're better coached with Mike McCarthy to win a championship, but I definitely think there's more talent in the roster. I, I don't disagree that Mike McCarthy's not a better coach, but overall I think that is a better situation for Tom Brady to end his career than right now in New England. I think he can get the $30 million he wants from Dallas, I think Dallas would gladly give it to him. Dallas has a team built and an offensive line built and weapons around him and a running game and a defense for that team to succeed and win a championship. I mean, the second he joins that team, they're they're easily the odds-on favorites to win the championship. Obviously, this is, you know, kind of la-la in football here in, in you know, Podcastville, but I'm not going to lie, I, I kind of love the situation and how it plays out. Yeah, I hate how good that would be for them. You know, you you certainly, you know, hit that on the head with having uh, surrounding talent that he could walk right into and have uh, an amazing O-line. Oh, you got Amari Cooper, you got Zeke, you got a really good defense. So uh, that'd be scary. Wow. I mean, I have them keeping Dak just because, you know, I didn't even think the Cowboys would be an option just because I, I, didn't, I honestly didn't expect any turmoil with their potential of keeping him. 
Again, when we originally did this, this was prior to the news that he had turned down their offer. I mean, that news came out about 24 hours ago. So I have that. That offer of 33 million and 105 million guaranteed, that offer? Yeah, yeah, I'm mentioning that offer. I mean, I didn't think that Dak would turn down something like that. So I honestly thought that Dak was staying there. He was going to be a cowboy for the rest of his career. So to see Brady go in there, in your projection, in your simulation, I hate it so much that I want you to turn off your, your PlayStation, your Xbox, whatever you did that on. <laughs> I mean, I understand the frustration of a, of a Patriots fan. I don't know. I really do think you guys might want to start considering the fact that you're going to lose Tom Brady. Well, let me ask you, how much of Jerry Jones' motivation to sign Tom Brady would you say is to win a Super Bowl, and how much of it is to stick it to Robert Kraft? Well, that's the other thing too. I think it's just really the per- it's the perfect storm at this point that because he can stick it to Robert Kraft, he can win a Super Bowl. Like I, I think Dallas is the type of place that, for one, the state tax. There's no state tax in Texas. Dallas is a huge city that uh, his wife would love and everything. Closer to California, I, I, I don't know, man. It's it's not just closer to California. It's a 20 minute plane ride. You know what I mean? Like. It's, I don't know, it's a, the situation just seems like it it might just be falling into place. Now, obviously, this is just in the last 24 hours and all these crazy rumors and things like that, but, man, you guys might want to be worried. I mean, I'm worried now because you're the first person I've even heard bring up that idea. So I, I hate it because it fits so well that, again, if it ends up coming to fruition, I'll, you'll be, be hearing me give you props first because you're the first person I've heard even, you know, bring that news into fruition, the, the potential for that to happen. I think it'd be crazy, but, you know, you never know in the NFL, that's for sure. You want to see crazy? NFC is a lot more boring. I know that the, the Bears, they said they want to stick with Trubisky, but they want somebody to push him. So going to Jacksonville, where I had uh, Mariota going there, I had them trading Nick Foles to Chicago to push Trubisky. Wayne doesn't even care about the rest of the NFC's folks. Uh, again, we, we dip back to a lot of the FBAS uh, folks being Skins fans. And we talked about the Cowboys, and he was like, yeah, forget the rest of the East, guys. We're going right to the next division. <laughs> yeah, I think we stick with Haskins. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I honestly don't have a guy moving from the NFC East, but I was like, oh, we spent a lot of time on the Cowboys, and Wayne was like, screw it, guys. We're going right to the next one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just going right down the line real quick with the East, I've got a Haskins, Wentz, and Danny Dimes staying for those teams, um, at least for another crappy year in the NFC East. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we kind of touched on the, the number two pick earlier, a little on the draft uh, while I said I do think there's smoke to the fire, I still gave it a 66% chance. So, so I'm sorry, Wayne. I didn't mean to, you know, bring us back to the other division there. But the Bears, who did you have uh, given uh, Trubisky some competition? Nick Foles. Big Dick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, he has yeah, certainly shown. I just think that Foles has certainly shown um, he's got some uh, some leadership qualities. He's gotten a team into the Super Bowl. As much as he looks like Napoleon Dynamite, I think that he's the right type of guy to bring in to, to push them in Chicago. So I don't hate that for you, Wayne, at all. I personally have the Bears bring in Andy Dalton. I think that hair, um, the, the burnt orange on the uniform, it goes perfect. I and mean, he's um, that same type of veteran mold that you would need to bring in to push a guy like Mitchell Trubisky. I have Marcus Mariota going. I think that's a really good spot for him. The Nick Foles thing, I just think he stays in Jacksonville. For one, I don't see anybody trying to take on his $21 million. And for two, it's going to actually cost the Jacksonville Jaguars $12 million in dead money against the cap to, to move him. So while I get getting him off the roster, I, I just don't know if it makes like 
business financial sense. But yeah, I've been going Marcus Mariota. I think he's a, you know, we've mentioned him before to other teams, and he's just kind of a veteran presence that doesn't put too much pressure on your starter, but, you know, has starts under his belt. So you kind of have to be wary of him. And Mitchell Trubisky would get pushed in that offense. So. Plus, they're interchangeable. I think Mariota plays a lot like Trubisky, so I don't think that if you were to go one way or the other, you wouldn't have to change the offense too much. Yeah, that's very true as well. Good point. That's smart. Make it easier for your quarterbacks, folks. We'll just skip over the whole NFC West, I think. <laughs> I had uh, Cam Newton staying in Carolina. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I do as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, you know, coming into the offseason, I wasn't really sure um, that they were going to be committed to Cam Newton. I started to even have some ideas of, of him going to other teams and even maybe even the potential of him coming to New England. But sounds like the Panthers bringing in Rule as their head coach, um, you know, he wants to try and make this work with Cam Newton. So I have him staying as well, but I do have them drafting love this Cam Newton in Carolina may end uh, sooner than Cam wants it to, so I have them taking Love. I think Love and uh, Christian McCaffrey would be uh, a beautiful pairing for a long time. Yeah, I had them. I had them keeping Cam Newton, uh, and I had them going with Jordan Love uh, as well when we recorded this uh, uh, probably about a week ago. Um, however, I, I've changed that. Uh, it kind of seems like that's the team that's tanking this year, if you ask me. Uh, I think that team's going to try to fake win as many games as they can if that makes any sense, and try to finish near the bottom and, and get on those quarterbacks next year and then really kind of build that thing. So I don't have them taking love. I just have them riding with Cam Newton and just riding that train until it breaks. So, Wayne, who's going to be playing quarterback for Dan's Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I have Teddy Bridgewater. Woo, I love it. Wow, you're, you're, you're getting a big fan in Dan here. You know, you've blown him away several times so far. I've got Jalen Hurts uh, being drafted by Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he'd be a nice young fit. Again, we've talked about Teddy Bridgewater and how we think he's built his stock up. And I think whatever team ends up taking the risk and um, giving him a shot um, is going to find themselves um, to be happy campers. So I think if he ends up in Tampa Bay, that'd be a fun offense to see him in. There's a lot of talk that we like Teddy Bridgewater a lot. So I see the, the smoke to that fire. Uh, I personally have us going Philip Rivers get the stopgap. As I've mentioned before, uh, apparently we love Jacob Eason. We're really we're really high on him. So I've got us going Philip Rivers and then taking Jacob Eason as our quarterback of the future. Yeah, no changes with the Falcons or Saints. I think we both, um, or at least all three of us have them sticking with uh, Matt Ryan and Drew Brees respectively. Uh, Major League Baseball, we talked about it last week, but again, it got a race. It is still news, which is, to me, Christian Yellick signs nine years, $219 million. Yoan Mankata signs five years, $70 million. And Mookie Betts is still asking for 12 and 480 It seems nuts to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, to start in the reverse order, I guess I'd say uh, Mookie, that the trade still hurts. That number is um, amazingly huge, and it won't surprise me when the Dodgers give it to him. I think, you know, going um, to the next guy, Yuan Moncada, you know, we saw the Sox trade him to the White Sox for Chris Sale. Right now I'm seeing Chris Sale going to get his elbow checked, and I'm seeing Yuan Moncada getting a huge payday. Do I think he's earned it? No, but he's young enough and he's got the potential. And again, when we talked about why you sign guys, it's for what they're going to do for you, not what they've done. So I think Moncada's a good signing. Yellick is a guy that really has earned that contract. Hopefully they have the team around him to help him compete. Um, hopefully he's not just going to be a guy having a, a huge deal on a team that stinks. But, you know, in baseball, you know, those guys can always get moved. Yeah, I'm a big fan of actually both the deals. I'm a huge Yon Moncada fan. I have been for a long time. Last year was kind of his, like, real breakout. 
The guy just learned how to hit the ball overnight, apparently, in the major leagues. He could do it all his life in the minor leagues. But, I mean, 315, you know, with a, a 548 slug and a 915 OPS, a huge breakout season for him. And, you know, he's still only 24, so that's great. Milwaukee, you know, the more we hear about this deal now, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard this, it's a, it's a Bobby Bonilla deal. Yeah, it's so stretched out over, like, 20 years or something. Yeah, so. they've deferred money out until... 2042 and he gets paid four million dollars until he's 50 years old so i mean that's just always crazy for me to hear and comprehend and things like that but i know it helps the club out so i mean i, I love the deal and i love young fellas kind of doing things like that to help this club Mookie bets i know it hits you guys a little harder than um that it, it's going to hit me however i do think you know they they lost that trade don't think they kind of got enough back for what Mookie is. However, you know, if he's still demanding that kind of money, I think it's crazy. He's going to get it. You know, somebody's going to give it to him, but man, I just, I don't, I wouldn't be me if I don't achieve that. Well, I don't think that he's demanding that kind of money. I think Scott Boris is demanding that kind of money. Well, when's the last time Scott Boris lost? With uh, Xander Bogarts. Touche. Yeah, he was quick with that one. Yeah, he had that ready. It's almost like we planned that. Did. We didn't, he did. though. He knew. Well, no, I mean... He knew it was about to happen. Well, because Xander Bogarts, no, I, I remember... Scott that was Morris doesn't lose many, many uh, negotiations. So, I mean, I, I agree there, but... And he didn't lose necessarily the, the Bogarts deal. I think what I liked about it, being a Red Sox fan, is that Bogarts went to Scott Boris and said, I want to play for the Red Sox. Make a deal happen. Don't drag it out. Well, yeah, that's just more respect to Xander Bogarts. Who, by the way, is a phenomenal baseball player. But you know, I I I'd personally like to see more of that. But at the same time, like I get players going after their own team, you know, they're savage. So yeah, I actually didn't hear about the Yellick stretching. So that's gonna be crazy when I'm 50, hearing that that dude's still getting paid from the Brewers. Yeah, when he's 50 years old, 2042. I mean, that's great. Now I don't like it because I've always thought if I won Powerball, I'm a lump sum guy, not an annuity guy. <laughs> Yeah, but what if you won the Powerball and then you won it again? Just take two lump sums, or would you be like, you know what, pay me ten mil until I die? I'd say two lump sums because ten million dollars today is worth more than ten million dollars five years from now. You are. That's a very true statement. That's a very true statement. Four million is probably not going to be today. You know, it's not probably. Will definitely not be what it is. You know, in twenty forty two, what it is today. Bernie's raised the minimum wage to four million dollars for McDonald's workers. <laughs> Feel the burn. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, did you see that on the um, TV? The Astros, uh, they just got hit by another baseball there? I was just going to bring that up. That was going to be the next topic, was that the Astros have been hit over and over again. The over-under on the regular season is 83 and a half, and I'm taking the over. Oh, I'm taking the over as well. I'm taking that over in the first series. I mean, the over's the safest bet in all of pro sports. Or are you a gambling fellow, Dan? Oh, I'm a gambling fellow. Uh, who do you guys have getting hit first, I think it's Altuve. You know, the the BS lie about the tattoo, the uh, video that shows him rounding the base saying, don't don't take my jersey off, don't, don't, don't. Um, I think that guy, you know, being held in such high regard prior to uh, this whole shenanigans, the whole scandal, people looked at that guy as, you know, Mighty Mouse, and now people look at him as the guy hiding a tattoo for a year plus um, and uh, having a buzzer on his chest. So I think he's the first one to get beamed. I think Altuve, but not because of those reasons necessarily. I think that Correa's just as slimy as Altuve is, but I think that Altuve hits in front of Correa, which is why he's going to get hit first. Facts. Yeah, 
the, the lineup should go. This is if, if everything you know stays the same. It should go Springer if he's healthy, and then Altuve, Bregman, you know, and then either Tucker, Correa, you know, somewhere like that. Uriel, Yuli Gurriel, something like that. So Altuve will get because I don't think anybody's going to play Springer. Um, I don't think they're going to come out and immediately play the first batter right away. I think that's just going to look bad. The umps immediately going to say something. But I do think they're going to play Jose Altuve. I agree with you there, Jesse. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, so not so much who's going to get hit first. What player in the lineup is going to get hit the most this year? I think Bregman. I hated every single one of his interviews. I wanted to punch him in the fucking face. <laughs> uh, every single one of his interviews, he just went up there like, Nah, it's not a big deal. Like, I don't know. I hated how, like, nonchalant he was about the whole thing. And I, I personally, it just really rubbed me the wrong way. Him personally just rubbed me the wrong way. So yeah. I'd love to see Blake get plunked a bunch of fucking guys. It's weird that, you know, I can pick several guys that, you know, can and should be plunked more often than not. Uh, I do agree with you, though. Bregman seems to guy to be the guy that the nation wants to throw at more. But, again, you know, is not a guy that's too far behind him. Well, I also look at it, too, in the sense that uh, you watch those movies, right, where it's like if you want information from a guy, you don't threaten to kill him, you threaten to kill his wife, right? So if I'm a pitcher on the other team, I'm hitting the most likable guy in the clubhouse. Whoever it is that everybody likes, whether he did anything or not, whether Major League Baseball suspects him of anything or not, that's the guy I'm hitting just to teach a lesson to the rest of the team. Oh, that was Altuve. Bro, you're a savage, Wayne. (laughs) He is, man. I'm telling you, and he's he's been like that the whole time I've known him. He used to trip me on the basketball court and everything. I mean, I do love that strategy, though. I'm not gonna lie. Like, you know, I'm not sure who like their team captain might be, but man, that's a really cool idea to just plink him every single time. The most likable guy. Like, that's a really cool idea. Wayne would tie that to Hollywood and their perception. Well, and I also know it's it's kind of like one of those things too. Like we're uh, in basketball, right? When I used to have basketball practice in high school, if you made a bonehead play, the coach would make everybody else run, and you get to stand there and watch everyone run. Yeah, so yeah, same thing. Yeah. you get the entire team hating you. Yeah, same thing for football. We did. That's yeah. You just mentioned basketball, Wayne. Uh, there's a certain fellow that made his return, but only for one game. Yeah, I saw Curry came back from the broken hand. Uh, played pretty well. What, 23 points in 27 minutes or something like that? Yeah, against the Raptors, so no chumps. Yeah, so uh, I like Curry a lot, and uh, I think he's definitely, uh, what do I call Curry? Oh, yeah, Trey Young 1.0. I think that he shoots off the dribble as good as anybody, and I think he's a great player, so I'm glad to see him back. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that back and hear Dan gasp. <laughs> uh, Wayne, what is up, bro? <laughs> Today. I, I, I don't know, but man, this is brilliant. Trey 2.0? Oh, oh, no, no, Trey 1.0. Yeah, Trey 1.0, because uh, Trey is uh, Curry with 2.0. <laughs> You're talking about probably, I don't know, probably the eighth best player I've ever seen play the game, man. The, great, um, the greatest shooter? Oh, hands down, the greatest shooter, the greatest catch shooter, the greatest off the dribble, the greatest shooter, period. That guy, I mean, it's scary to watch him shoot. Even that, I mean, I know. Wayne wonders if we're talking about Curry or Trey Young. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know he went three and twelve or something like that, but I mean that's his first game back. I think he honestly think he lights up the Clippers tonight. You, you think you think he's coming back more more term? Has he been confirmed to come back for this game? I, I, I didn't see. I know he was rumored to come back today, and then I saw his points was over under for points instead of twenty five. So I thought he was coming back. Um, if, if he does come back, I think he goes over that number. 
I don't know. I love the guy. Don't get me wrong. I love Trey Young too. But uh, I mean, I think Trey Young is Steph Curry, you know, with one point up. But uh, <laughs> see, see, the Warriors have the worst record in the league as it stands right now by by a couple games. I think it's like three or four games right now. Um, so I think Curry came back for one game and got the fans excited. The Warriors did the, the right thing and kind of reeling him back in because um, whether they take that first pick and they add some youngster to um, that veteran squad they have or they just use it as an asset in a trade, I think that they should still covet that and, and do everything they can to t- continue to have the worst record in the league. And when you look at it, there's about five to six teams right now that are only separated uh, by five games right now. So it could be uh, a real fun race as we get down to the end of the NBA season. And uh, as we're looking at it, my Pistons actually have a chance to get a top two pick in the first time in a long, long time. Last time they had a pick this high, they took a guy named Darko Wayne, Darko Milicic. Um, is he the biggest uh, draft mistake of all time? Uh, no, I would take Michael Oldwell Candy over him. I think the thing is with Darko is Darko gets a bad rep because he was drafted ahead of Carmelo Anthony and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. But Those are some good players, Wayne. He was put in a bad I situation. <laughs> yeah, he was put in a really bad situation. I think Darko coming from Croatia at 18 was extremely skilled but raw, and I think he got put with a coach in Larry Brown who did not want to utilize him correctly or at all and just completely ruined his career from there on out. But I think that had Darko been drafted into a better situation, I think that he might have had a much better career. I actually kind of agree. I, I think Darko kind of got a bad rap and he wasn't as terrible as he actually was. I think Stan Bowie is probably the worst draft pick ever. That's just kind of my opinion for who he was taking over. But he's definitely right up there. I mean, the names you listed are just insane names, Wayne. And the fact that, like, and it's not like they were names that were taken away later. Like, you know, Carmelo Anthony was the top prospect. Dwayne Wade was the top prospect. These guys were literally the pick after them. So, I mean, it's pretty crazy to think that their franchise could have been totally altered with just one simple pick. So sticking with one of those guys, the guy that I think is mentioned with that whiffed pick most, Carmelo. If the Pistons take Carmelo there instead of Darko Milicic, do they still win the championship that very next year? Yeah, I think we had this conversation because I said that Larry Brown would just sit him on the bench. It doesn't really matter who you have at the end of the bench. They're still at the end of the bench. So your starting five is still your starting five. Your first two or three off the bench is still your first two or three off the bench. So he could have drafted uh, me with that pick, and they still would have won the championship because... Hell yeah, they would have I would have played as much as Darko. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. You know, if anything, it would have just made it better. So I don't see why they would have entered their championship run. Uh, I also don't think, like like uh, Wayne said, Larry Brown would have... I know other people would say, you know, Melo would disrupt the offense. I don't think Larry Brown would have given him a chance to, honestly, in that, in that year. So, I honestly, if anything, it just would have made them a much better team. But, you know, you still got your championship out of it, so... Uh, Wayne is wet from three, guys. Just so you know, he will he will outbeat you in a three point contest. Wet, wet. Yeah. I did want to kind of circle back real quick before we get onto the next uh, to Curry, uh, because I didn't want it to seem like I'm poo poo in Curry, because I do think that Curry shoots off the dribble better than anybody I've ever seen in my life. But I will also say this: when we're talking about catch and shoot, because I know we said he's the best catch and shoot of all time, he's not even the best catch and shoot on his own team. I do agree. I do agree. I mean, I, I did kind of speak quickly there. He's, he's the best pure shooter I've ever seen. I do think Clay Thompson is the, a better catch-and-shoot shooter. You are right. You are right. I can see. The other NBA news I had, Tim Duncan, 
coaching the Spurs to a victory over the Hornets. To me, the story wasn't Tim Duncan coaching. It's why wasn't Becky Hammond coaching? Yeah, that's a missed opportunity um, for sure. I think Pop had made some great positive news when he added Becky Hammond to the staff. So to, I guess, steamroll her and her opportunities for a guy like Tim Duncan, who he doesn't need that. The guy's a Hall of Famer. He's considered one of the best of all time at his position. You know, Mr. Fundamental. He doesn't need that. He didn't need that limelight. I do think it was a missed opportunity for Becky Hammond. I didn't think of that at first, but now that you bring it up, Wayne, um, it was a missed opportunity for um, a, a huge step to be made that could have been made. See, I never even thought of it in that light. But you probably are correct, Wayne. That was a, a really big opportunity for, honestly, just somebody to take the platform and put a woman into that spot and just allow them to maybe get that chance to shine. And uh, that would have been really cool to see. Um, I think, you know, Becky Hammond's an incredibly well-respected coach in the league and well-respected person in the league. So that would have been really cool to see. Um, I think what's well, I think what stinks there is Popovich is probably the coach that you expected that to happen with is to, to give a woman yeah, a chance. Yeah, I agree. If, if, if it's not going to be Pop, I don't know who it's going to be at this point. Uh, on a lighter note, though, I mean, I love the kind of mini that uh, Tim Duncan is riding. So. Uh, his hair is getting pretty wacky as well. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that little half gray salt and pepper dread thing going on there. <laughs> I don't know. It looks weird to me. He's just like a homeless guy. Like he's been sleeping under a bridge yeah, in San Antonio. Exactly. I mean, Tim Duncan's never been the fashionista, though. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I really had um, for uh, sports topics. I mean, I know we had the Lakers and the Bucks, which Jesse had as a finals preview, which the Lakers won. So that means the Lakers are going to win the championship this year. I still think Giannis is the MVP over LeBron, and Jesse thinks it's James Harden. So I think everybody can kind of get an idea of who really knows the sport and who doesn't in the podcast. <laughs> he is just savage today. <laughs> I love it, man. This guy is shot left and right. Yeah, he must have listened to our intro song like 30 times from work to here for him to be this pumped up. What's crazy is I agree with each of your takes separately. Um, I think Giannis wins the MVP, but I do think the Lakers win the championship. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a great NBA season. I'm really looking forward to the finals and the playoffs in general. I think a lot of teams are going to make some smoke. I'd love to see Zion and the Pelicans in there. So. Oh, for sure. Huge Zion fan here, of course. So, Dan, i got to ask you, um, because Wynn and I have gone at this in person, um, on air, and really probably for close to a decade now, in your idea here and Wayne's and mine, um, we have the, we all have the Lakers winning the championship. When that happens, LeBron's going to have five, six? Four. Four. So does that put him uh, winning with the Lakers in his third franchise, having four, having the MVPs and the scoring, and, and doing it at this age? See your goat? Um, I have been one of the biggest LeBron haters for a long time of my life. Here, here. And I really, really did not like that his name was mentioned in the goat conversation. I did not like that he was even kind of brought up in the topic, honestly. Man, the guy's changed my mind a lot. He is a really good basketball player who, if he does win this chip, he may just be the GOAT. He may just be the GOAT. This season has certainly been transformational. I mean, it, it's done the same for me, in my opinion, on LeBron. You know, he's done some some amazing things throughout his career, but I think at, at his age to be, what he's, to be doing what he's doing, uh, it, it's, it's incredible. Uh, Anthony Davis has missed some time, and that team hasn't skipped a beat. They are still top three uh, as far as record uh, goes. And I think uh, the Clippers-Lakers-Western Conference Finals is going to be an insane watch. 
I mean, 10 assists a game, 10 and a half assists a game, it's just nuts from a guy. I mean, he's playing full-time point guard, essentially, for this team at, you know, 6'9". It's just what he's done and just being able to play every position and still being able to, I mean, he's improved his shooting and, you know, improved his, his so so-called non-clutch gene, I think. I still think his free throw shooting's a joke, but man, I don't know. I, it's really tough for me to not like the guy anymore. Plus, all he does for the community, and he's like, seems like a really great person and things like that. He may just be, and you know, Michael Jordan's, a, a, from all accounts, he's a piece of shit. Granted, that maybe shouldn't come into play in the who's to go basketball player, but I don't know, man. I, I really am, have turned my tail, or turned my uh, opinion on LeBron James, and I think he's an incredibly good basketball player. I have LeBron James as the third uh, best of all time, and Jesse and I discussed this last podcast. I have Wilt number one, I have MJ number two, and I have LeBron three. And when I saw LeBron play in the finals, the one that they lost to Golden State however many years ago when he was with Cleveland, I remember watching him play and thinking, my God, that is the greatest player in the history of the game. The, the effort and just the dominance that he displayed at both ends of the floor. And I thought, if he could do that for the rest of his career, he's better than Jordan. And then he didn't. He turned back into bitchy, floppy LeBron. Wayne's a uh, Laker fan, by the way. Are you really a Laker fan? Yeah. Oh, okay. Tough uh, for him doing that up here in uh, the Celtic Green Country. But yeah, he's been a Laker fan ever since I've known him and prior to that. Nice. Uh, I am too. I mean, I'm not like a guy. I was more of a Kobe Bryant fan that just let me into being a Laker fan. Um, but yeah, I'm a Laker fan too. Um, and I actually kind of loved, obviously, getting LeBron. I don't think he's a floppy, bitchy player. I don't know. I don't. I don't really care about that whole thing. That's just kind of the the way the game is played now. Superstars are going to beg for the calls. He's a floppy, bitchy player than what's James Harden play. Let's be real. Oh, also a floppy, um, bitchy player. <laughs> just to the extreme, but again, like I said, everything that I knocked LeBron early in his career that I didn't like. I think he's gone and gotten better at it. And, and that's really what's what swung my opinion on him. You know, I did love his three-point shooting early in his career. And then he's come back and now he's shooting, you know, I think he's career around 36%. I'm not entirely sure. But, like, that's crazy, you know, to come back and do that and be able to shoot the way he does. And, you know, his, uh, his clutch gene, everybody thought he couldn't take the last shot, do things like that. And then he started to do that. I just... I don't know. I, I, I think he's turned the corner. And, you know, you're always going to have the generational gap and people are going to say that the guys they saw were better. But, man, it's, it's really tough for me to say I watched anybody better than LeBron James play the basketball. Yeah, I think for me it just goes beyond the, the skill set, goes beyond the stats. It's kind of like bringing another movie reference in is Jerry Maguire. And when he's talking to Rod Tidwell, who just shattered all these NFL receiving records, and he had 1,800 yards receiving, but nobody liked the guy, and nobody wanted to give him a contract for anything more than like two million a year, and he says to him, he's like, you know, play from your heart. You know, that's what inspires people. And so he kind of turns that corner. And I think watching LeBron play, I was inspired by his losing finals performance against Golden State, but his career as a whole has been very uninspiring to me. Wow, so you don't think this year's inspiring to watch, like seeing him play the way he's playing right now? No, again, his skill set's tremendous, and I've always felt like he had the skill set to be the best, but when I watch him play, I don't see the same fire that I saw in Kobe, that I saw in Jordan, that I saw in KG and AI, and that's what I want to okay. see. I, I don't disagree there, honestly. I really don't disagree there. What's your take, Jess? As far as, you know, LeBron, I've always hated that dude, but 
Yeah, like I mentioned, this year has been transformational. Um, I do um, have to say, you know, we touched on on our first episode, um, nobody will come closer to Jordan to me than Kobe. Uh, it's because of the competitive drive, the passion, the heart, the killer instinct, those things. Um, that's what separated Kobe, you know, from um, LeBron to me. LeBron to me is always going to be the greatest stat sheet stuffer of all time. And he's had a transformational year. I'm not willing to put him in the GOAT conversation. Nobody will ever be higher than Jordan other than Wayne during this episode. But um, I have the Jumpman logo on my arm for a reason. Um, that thing's tattooed there because I love that dude and always will. So LeBron's done amazing things, but he'll never change the GOAT conversation for me. I just wanted to get an outsider's perspective because I've gone over this with Wayne many times. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know if I'm the best one for it because my hatred does go so deep for LeBron, but maybe maybe that is because, again, I think I, I, I'm not going to put him over Jordan yet, but if he wins this one, he, he just meant it. He really just meant it. So I guess we'll wrap it up uh, on that note. I definitely have a, a ton here that we can kind of, you know, edit down, and it should sound pretty good. It looks like it's saved every single time, which is fantastic. I know that uh, Dan had mentioned, uh, not Dan, um, John had mentioned, JV, he said, listen, you know, give a shout out. So if you guys are listening, you know, uh, like us on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify and Stitcher. Uh, let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. We definitely want to uh, employ any ideas that people have. Uh, but so far, I do want to thank, you know, Jesse for doing this every week. I do want to thank you, Dan, for coming on. Uh, just like last week, nobody got to hear it, but you're dynamite. I thought you were great again this week. Yeah, Dan, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. You've done uh, an amazing job of spreading your knowledge, really allowing us to tap into uh, your wealth of knowledge when it comes to the NFL and allow us to pick your brain with the other sports as well. Uh, you've been uh, an awesome fixture on FBAS for years. You and I have known each other going back to, to football's future before JV poached us. You know, great to have you on. Great to, you know, to hear your voice and, uh, you know, to really um, be able to go back and forth. So I appreciate, you know, you being able to do this, um, even though, you know, we missed out on last week's episode. Um, and uh, like Wayne mentioned, you know, anybody that's out there that can, you know, rate, subscribe, um, and, you know, comment to get involved with drafts, you know, be um, more prevalent with the FBAS community. I mean, that's why we're doing this, Wayne, and I love to, to argue, to talk sports, um, and I think that's what FBAS is perfect for. Yeah, I mean, I can't thank you guys enough for having me. You know, I really enjoy this. Uh, you know, it's a ton of fun, and it really is cool bouncing, guys off, bouncing the information off you guys. And, uh, you know, I don't get a, a ton of Northeast perspective down here, honestly. You know, I know it's a town people move to in Florida, but still... Uh, it's a ton of fun. And, yeah, if, if anybody's listening who isn't a part of FBAS, you know, Facebook All Sports, uh, search it on the Facebook thing. Community, come on in. We're a great community. Uh, you know, like Jesse said, I've probably known Jesse a decade now. You know, I've known Wayne, you know, from the forum here for a while now. And it's, uh, it's, a, really cool, it's a really cool place, man. It's a, it's a lot of fun. So. Well, I guess uh, we'll end it there. And uh, what do you say, Kenny Smith?